Thank you, guys. Can you do some more again next week? Good, good. Pastor Phil read our passage earlier. I encourage you, if if you want to follow along, we'll be in and out of Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7, uh, for the duration of our message this morning. Those uh, will be on the screens behind me. You're welcome to open your Bibles uh, to them as well, if you want to follow along. This is an intense passage, uh, one that I think we could spend all month on, and it it gets you a little pumped if you take it in and if you receive it uh, with the intensity that Isaiah delivers it. I think sometimes in life we need a pep talk or we need a hype speech to give us a bit of a, a reality check and a lay of the land. And personally, I think of myself as pretty even-keeled and unemotional, uh, but there are a few instances in my life where a pep talk or a hype speech served uh, its proper function. One example that comes to mind very clearly to me was when we had what was called Max Out Day in the weight room in high school. Does that terminology ring a bell to anyone? Max Out Day? I see a few nods. That's when you simply try to lift as much weight as you can lift in one rep. So usually when you go to the gym, you do a lot of reps. But on Max Out Day, you want to see, I can lift the highest weight possible one time. And this was a high and holy day of off-season football training. Everything, uh, max out day was to the off-season what Christmas time is in the year of the church. It's something people look forward to, they get excited about it, and we had coaches giving all sorts of hype speeches and pep talks, and I wasn't having any of it. People were going crazy, uh, I just think like drooling, ready to lift their weights as they uh, crushed protein shakes before their, their max outs. And maybe I was a little too introspective as a teenager, but it all seemed a little barbaric to me. So I, I was kind of present, uh, just observing and let it, let it come as it unfolded um, until it was my turn. So squats uh, were my strongest discipline. And I can remember very clearly, if you're not familiar, that's where there's a bar on your back and you squat down. For my max out, I was not hype, I wasn't emotional, but I went down and as I went to get back up, I just I couldn't. I was stuck, the weight was too heavy, and I was kind of there. It was like someone took the batteries out of me. And I was just processing, well, this is a bummer. I don't want to fall down. Clearly, I can't get it up. And our strength coach, this Vietnam vet, gray hair, gets, gets down forehead to forehead and screams at me. <laughs> and I could not remember a single word he said, but boom. Like, it might, have, it might have been a feather. I was so fired up, mission accomplished, new personal best. So the whole environment, the pep talks, the intensity, it was not my cup of tea. But I kind of liked it in hindsight because sometimes we need intensity. We're faced with truly an intense passage this morning, a passage that is a little bit like a pep talk, right? Advent is happy, Advent is joyous, and that is a big reason why we love it. But what we see in Isaiah 9 this morning, it's more than a, a cheery time, cheery Christmas time pat on the back. It's good news, and Isaiah delivers it with fire. As I heard Pastor Phil reading it earlier, I couldn't help but think of it as a bit of a rallying cry. It's a prophecy describing life rooted in joy. Uh, 
And we're going to look closer at these verses this morning and see how they call us to respond together as people who are filled with joy because of who God is. Now, the passage opened in in verse 1 saying, There will be no more gloom. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. So that's Isaiah 9.1. That truth, that reality is resting over everything that we're going to see in this passage. There will be no more gloom because of these realities that Isaiah is going to go on to proclaim and deliver. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you, God, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. In our passage, Isaiah is speaking directly to Israel as his uh, intended audience here in the context. He's referencing past victories, and he's giving assurances in the face of their current threat. If you look back to Isaiah 8, their current threat is Assyria. But this whole text has past, present, and future implications for us this morning. In the past, we know and we see in Scripture, and we're reminded by Isaiah that Gideon was victorious over Midian. That's what the first clause here is referring to. As in the day of Midian's defeat, when, when I worked with you uh, through the power of Gideon, you were victorious. In the past, God's presence is there. In the presence of the text, God is working in Israel as Isaiah prophesies, as Isaiah uh, shares these words with them. And these promises carry forward to the future as well as God continues to deliver his people by freeing them from that which is holding them back. That's when we realize joy. We realize the fullness of joy when we realize that absolutely nothing is holding us back from God. The reality is we all have something that gets in our way. I think every one of us in the sanctuary, every one of us worshiping online can think about something in life or an area of life where we feel a little bit stuck, where we feel a little bit like me with the the weight on my shoulders just stuck, unable to get up. So bring to mind now, what, what is it for you? Isaiah uses the word burdens in Isaiah 9, 4. What are you burdened with right here, right now, in this jolly season of joy here in December? Whatever it is for us, the good news is that God is directly addressing it here in Isaiah 9, 4. God is directly addressing it as we're worshiping together, as we're praying together, later as we receive communion together. But with Isaiah 9-4 here, we see uh, three examples uh, where God is talking about burdens being shattered. We see you have shattered, and then everything that follows are things that have been shattered. We see that the yokes that burden us in life, this can be the obstacles or the sins that hold us back, and keep us from knowing joy, and keep us from being free, we see in Isaiah that they're shattered. We also see that the bar across your shoulders, we can think of that this morning as the figurative weight on your shoulders, maybe something that's unseen, but something that you're carrying, that's weighing on you. We see Isaiah declaring this morning, that is shattered. 
Lastly there, the rod of your oppressor, whatever is afflicting you, whatever is angling for control over you, be it a person, be it a power, be it evil, that power is shattered. It's a nice Christmas uh, visual, isn't it, that our God of joy is also a God of shattering. I could watch so many things break in slow motion. It's so satisfying to see that glass bottle shatter there. But Isaiah 9-4 here uh, is using this, uh, Michael, let that roll again, is using this imagery here of shattering. The yoke is shattered. The bar is shattered. The rod is shattered. These hindrances, these burdens for Israel that are very real, that are very stressful, that are very heavy, they are crushed. God means business. And here at Christmas time, Jesus, God the Son, our Savior whose birth we celebrate, wants to set you free from sin and set you free from burdens. We can picture our burdens, everything that you brought to mind just a few minutes ago, like that glass water bottle there. God wants to shatter your burdens today in the same way that we see Israel declaring it here in Isaiah chapter 9. Our God of joy brings us so much gladness and happiness, and our God of joy is also a God of shattering. That which we have in life that needs to be shattered, nothing that we think of, nothing that we can come to mind, is too big for God. And when it comes to to all of this, we know that burdens bring with them pain and scars. And we we see in Isaiah that those aren't forgotten by God either. If we look at verse 5, we read, and, and this is so visual, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Boots from battle, garments soaked in blood, those relics of pain for Israel, they're going to be burned up. You can picture what Isaiah is describing here. You can picture how it might have been received by an Israelite hearing this, uh, whether from Isaiah or later as it continued to minister to them. There is weightiness to these boots of war and blood-stained clothes being burned. The old is gone. The baggage of pain is incinerated for Israel here in Isaiah 9. The same can be said for us as well here in 2022. New life with God, joyful life with Jesus isn't hampered by where you've been or what you've seen, what you've done, or anything that can suck the joy out of your life. Everything you brought to mind earlier or something you might think of later this week as a present-day burden for you, all of those burdens can be thrown on this figurative fire we see here in Isaiah 9.5 because everything changes as a result of the verse that follows. What we see in verse 6 here, uh, this is our theme for the month, unto us. And we see in verse 6, for to us, in the King James Version, it's unto us, a child is born, A son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 
I picture Isaiah getting a little bit out of breath as he's declaring all of this good news to the Israelites and good news to us hearing it today. Because it is good news. This child, Jesus, who we celebrate at Christmas, is our wonderful counselor. We can take everything we need to God to figure out. Jesus is mighty. There is nothing out of his power's grasp. Jesus is everlasting. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but his reign has no end, and we're in on it. And Jesus is peace, our Prince of Peace. We grasp real joy when we know him, and we live in peace in the presence of God, guiding our lives. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. We've seen how that affects the past in Isaiah here. We're talking about how that affects the present, but where I think it gets especially cool is how this applies to the future. And we see that in verse 7. The, the last verse of the passage is, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We see our passage this morning leaning into the future. And we need to broaden our horizon when we see the word government here in the first sentence. This is a a Hebrew word that can be translated as rule or dominion or government. So I encourage you to see that, that first sentence there as of the greatness of God's rule, there will be no end. We see this here in Isaiah, in the Old Testament. We see Jesus beautifully articulate this as the kingdom of God in the New Testament. And here we're not talking about governments like we learned about in school. Governments are kingdoms that rise up, that come, and that go. This is a different type of dominion. This is a new rule. And the birth of Jesus is a a fascinating point in the progression of that, that we're celebrating this month. It is catapulted into motion with the birth of Jesus and realized for us today when we live with God as our top priority. The joy that comes with understanding uh, not something complex about the rule of Jesus, but the simple reality that God reigns forever. God has saved us, God has redeemed us, and God invites us to participate in his kingdom as recipients of his grace, but also as ambassadors of it to others. Of the greatness of God's rule, there will be no end. It's a beautiful Christmas time reminder. Let's timeline it too, because this is so consistent. We see the greatness of God's rule everlasting throughout Scripture. God's rule reigns at creation, right? Isaiah is talking about God's rule here, and we see it woven through Israel over time very clearly in the Old Testament. Jesus surges it forward in his earthly ministry that we see in the New Testament, and we this morning are directly called to play a part in continuing to move the kingdom of God forward together through the local church, and it's in doing so that we find immense joy 
that can't be found in any other space, that can't be manufactured. We overflow with this joy when we participate in making God's kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This joy is, is deep, but it's also quite simple. It's more like we heard in our Advent reading. It's more than happiness. It's more than feeling good. Joy is a deep foundational gladness that is rooted in knowing that with God, everything is good. It's deep, it's foundational, and it has firm, firm roots in the Lord. Your outlook on life, your response to any burden or any predicament that might arise will be massively changed for the better when you are rooted in joy. Look at the picture of, of this tree here. This tree is, is fascinating to me. Have you ever seen a tree with roots above the ground? I feel like that has to be the tip of the iceberg. If you can see those roots above ground, they have to be very robust beneath the surface. This tree isn't going anywhere because of those roots. I would trust that tree uh, in the face of, I was going to say Cat 5 hurricane. I'll say Cat 5. I think it would, it would stick up in it. It can't be shaken because of these deep, deep roots. And similarly, we have, when we have deep roots in our lives, when we have deep roots of joy, we can't be shaken for long. We celebrate this joy and we receive it year-round, but particularly during Advent, at the same time acknowledging that there is still darkness. Yet in that darkness, we have joy. And if we're rooted in joy, we can stand firm. The reality is there are still yokes to be shattered, to borrow Isaiah's words, but we have joy because God's rule reigns over everything. We have scars and stains in our life that need to be washed, that need to be burned, that need to be refined, yet we have joy because we know that God brings new life. We have joy in the already, knowing what God has accomplished, and we have joy in the not yet, knowing what is still to come with the promised return of Christ. As we look to and as we celebrate the birth of Jesus this morning, we need to offer up places in our life where we need deliverance. God wants to take your burdens from you so that you can experience freedom, that you can experience this deep-rooted joy that we see described here in Isaiah 9. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion and I encourage you during this time to, to note to God what you need God to shatter right now in your life. Whether it's big, whether it's small, God wants to free you from that power, from that sin, so that you can live forgiven and that you can live with this rooted joy influencing each and every day. So when you receive that communion, take time to reflect and talk to God about this. Confess your sins. Jesus died for them and wants to redeem you. We'll finish by, by looking at just a, a couple more verses. Verses 2 and 3. 
we see the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation. This you is talking about God. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. The ministry of the Messiah, the ministry of Jesus, God in our lives, it brings joy and gladness. God, as we see in Isaiah, we can see in our lives today too, God increases our joy. Do you feel that rooted joy in your life this morning? Can you identify those roots? Or is this maybe something you've experienced in the past and are distant from now? Or something that you see in the future that you hope to grab hold of? No matter what, the reality that we see in Scripture this morning is that with God in your life, you have reason for joy. You have reason for rejoicing. And if you're struggling with that right now, your marching orders for this week can be to continue reading Isaiah 9. Continue reading these same passages, verses 1 through 7, that we've read this morning. This holy pep talk will remind you of reasons for being joyful. Let God work in your life as you soak in these words, both here in worship and in the week ahead. I want to encourage you to imagine God a little bit like my weightlifting coach I mentioned earlier. Imagine God when you're stuck or when you're struggling, forehead to forehead with you. I mean, when my coach yelled at me, our, our pupils were probably an inch apart. Imagine God, I'm being serious, that close to you, looking at you in the eye and shouting, unto us a child is born. Of the greatness of his rule, there will be no end. Whatever's happening in our present, this declaration has rung true in the past, rings true right now, and will ring true in the future. Unto us a child is born of the greatness of his rule. There will be no end. That's great news. And as you take communion this morning, celebrate that great news. Confess your sins. Name where you're stuck. Name what needs to be shattered. And as we're reminded that we're redeemed and that we're forgiven in Christ, as we take the elements this morning, let that joy take root. Actively in prayer, actively as we sing our final song this morning, let that joy take root in your heart today and all throughout the week and the month ahead of us. I want to invite our, our deacons to come forward this morning. We're going to have communion together this morning. If you have not been with us on a communion Sunday before, uh, after our, our words of institution, Pastor Phil and I will serve the deacons and then invite everyone to come forward. There'll be a station here that, by the piano, a station by the organ. If you're in the balcony, uh, we have a couple deacons, Ron and Clinton, who will bring the elements up to you, uh, as well as to people who are serving downstairs as well. When you receive the bread and the cup, uh, I encourage you to take it um, right there. You don't have to wait. Take it as you receive it, uh, and then as you return to your seat, uh, seize the opportunity to reflect.